passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. This is the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next, your new favorite beer with zero carbs, now available to you. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. Kudos for naming your son Ty, T-Y-E, just like I spell my name. There aren't many T-Y-E's out there. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. It seemed to me like when the game gets a little tighter, a little closer, a little where he's got to really take over the game, he has that knack to do it. Most every time we need him to win the game, he makes some kind of play. I'm glad he's on our team. When you need a play at the end of the game, K.J. Jefferson comes through. You heard the encouragement. You heard the knowledge from your head coach when it comes to his starting quarterback. You have that same confidence in K.J., He's got it. He's just got that knack of making a play at the end of the game. You believe in him. The coaching staff believes in him. His teammates believe in him. You've got some national media that are starting to believe in him as well. Man, Tommy, it's good to start a morning rush on a hot take Monday, 1-0, and after the conclusion of the first game. Well, and KJ's a good place to start because he made a play at the end of the game. I know we're going to talk about that and several other big plays from Saturday that uh, that made the difference. It is a hot take Monday. It is brought to you by Wheels RV, five miles west of exit 72 off of I-49 in Springdale. The only place... Either side of the tunnel, you're going to find a lifetime warranty on every new unit they sell. Plus, they have a mobile service shuttle to keep you camping. So discover the difference in why Wheels RV was again voted the best RV dealership in Northwest Arkansas. It's all at Wheels RV. Seek, explore, discover with Wheels RV. Saw some comments from a Cincinnati defensive lineman talking about it's one thing to watch this guy on film. It's another thing to play against him. You can game plan you can go over, you can watch as much film as you want on K.J. Jefferson, but until you see that young man in person, there's no one to emulate him in practice. You talked about that all week. Who's Cincinnati going to put in practice to mm-hmm. be K.J. Jefferson? They don't have anyone on that roster that looks, throws, and runs like K.J. Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And he goes 18 for 26, four total touchdowns, slightly under 70%. And he missed some throws, he'd tell you that. He had a wide-open Warren Thompson on a slant route that he threw about five yards behind him in the dirt. 
But other than that, I mean, the guy still had a really good game, and we're still probably going to field some calls, field some texts today saying that he didn't have his best game. It was game one. He won you the game. A little over five minutes to go. They didn't give the ball back. I didn't want to test it. You didn't want to test it. I didn't want to see what the defense was going to do and what could have been the last possession for Cincinnati. They didn't get it back. We talked about this on Hog Reaction Saturday night, that third and nine, how huge a play that was in the game because Cincinnati's uh, offense had found some momentum and Arkansas's beat-up secondary was yielding yielding first downs and yards. And everyone in that stadium would have been holding their breath because uh, when he got that first down, what was there, 222 to go? Let me find it in my note here. Yeah, there was... Um, and that, that allowed you to take a, there was four minutes to go when he got that play that allowed him to take two more minutes off the clock and Arkansas got another first down with 222 to go and that was the end of it at that point so they never gave the ball back and let's be honest none of us wanted to see what was going to happen if Ben Bryant got another chance in that ball game so Cincinnati started to look gassed a little bit but they got a little momentum were feeling better about themselves and uh, the last thing I wanted to do was see a, a battered test or a, a battered secondary get tested once again. So glad that uh, KJ could keep the ball in the hands of the Razorbacks there at the end. And he was talking about that after the game. Had Rocket Sanders open, but went ahead and took it himself. Broke at least one tackle. Might have broken two tackles in that game. He is so hard to bring down. When you hit the fourth quarter and both defenses are gassed and winded, he's able to break out of those arm tackles and those tackles that maybe would have got him down the first game because the defense would have had more strength. The guy just, again, at the end of ball games, we've seen it last year, and we've seen it. We just saw it in game one of the 2022 season. He plays his best ball in the last quarter of the game. And that's great for you as an Arkansas fan because that's when you want him to play that way. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what your leaders do, though. I mean, that's what I mean. Your quarterback's got to be able to make a play. You got to have somebody, and it's generally either got to be a running back or a wide receiver. Because I mean, running back or quarterback, because a wide receiver has to get the ball from the quarterback. Obviously, somebody's got to make that play. We've seen some guys like Joe Adams in the past that you know played wide receiver, but had so much skill they could do an end around. Traylon Burks was one of those guys, certainly in recent memory, but. I think it's clear that KJ's the guy that we've known you're going to lean on. It was reaffirmed on Saturday. Now, starting the game, that what what do you think about the start of the game? Because I thought that was a bit odd, uh, in particularly can, you know, when you've talked about being tough, you've talked about running the football at them. What does Arkansas come out of the gate and do? They throw, throw, and throw. I mean, basically, uh, they do get a first down, but stall out the the series and pump the ball away. After uh, some opening passing plays, that that catch you off guard or surprise you at least? I guess off guard is probably too strong, but I was surprised a little bit they they didn't come out and just establish the run and establish toughness right away with running the football right out of the gate. Well, they haven't been good in first possessions in almost every ball game since Kendall Browse has been the OC, right? Can well, you that's my of, point is, you, what are you good at? You're good at running the ball. But you know? even in that situation, Tommy, you look at any other game they played, can you think of a first possession where they've gone down and scored a touchdown in I'm, any game? I mean, it doesn't stick out. I'm sure it's happened. There's not one. Is there not one? No. Not one? It, 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 I mean, Zero? if you, if you want to go find one, do, do me a favor and find it. Well, but I mean, to my I mean, knowledge, I mean, you've... You've worked with me. i got a pretty good encyclopedia when it comes to games in the last couple of years. They haven't scored they're, on an opening drive? Touchdown. They might have scored a field goal, but they're, to my knowledge, they have not scored an opening drive touchdown 
And I got to go back and double check on that, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. So that being said, yes, it was a little weird because I think the only running play, maybe it was a design run, but KJ just kind of took it and went. And I don't know if it was a pass or a design run play, but they have not been well, good in opening possessions at any point. They I, threw it, and they threw a strike. It was about a 17 yard pass initially to Matt Landers, which he went up and got. And they threw him a couple just kind of stop routes. Uh, at the beginning of the game, and uh, I know Coach Pittman was talking about that. He had a pretty good game. Yeah, it was a little weird, but I mean, they just haven't been. I don't know. This is not the norm. I mean, this is the norm. They're not good on opening possessions yeah. in any game. No, you're right. Was. I mean, but, but to me, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But Hazelwood, they threw to Hazelwood on the second pass. It's kind of low and outside of the left, coming to the home boundary, and that really kind of derailed. Uh, that early momentum in that drive. They end up getting 25 yards on the series and, and punted, so they did win some field position. But then McLaughlin, you know, made the play that really defined the first half in so many ways with the interception when Bryant tried to throw it across the field. His arm, he just didn't put enough mustard on that ball, and McLaughlin could see it coming all day long and, and uh, you know, and took it. They just aren't, and even if they had run the ball, Tommy, and I was just happy they got a first down. Yeah, and that's and just and this is not. They, it's typically how it goes, right? First games of the season, your offense doesn't look that great. They definitely were better in the second half of that football game. But I was just happy to see Arkansas get a first down initially on that first possession. Now I know Kendall Bryles, Sam Pittman, that entire staff want more than the first down. They want a touchdown. They want a field goal. But they have not been good in opening possessions uh, since. It, it's not just Pittman's Morris. I mean, it's it's just how it's happened. At the end of the day, you won the football game. 31-24 the final. That's what you're happy about this morning. We're probably going to get some complaints here. Oh, this. Oh, that. Guys, that team was in the college football playoff last year. I don't care how many guys they lost the NFL. That is a good, not football team, that is a good football program. Fickle knows what he's doing. Those guys could compete in the SEC. And we saw it on Saturday. They're not going to wilt. They're not going to shy away from a challenge. They definitely didn't at starting at 2.30 on Saturday. That's the nature of week one. Other than Georgia, who's happy with the way they played this weekend, win or lose? Very, very few too, few teams. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today and make. Make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe Fifty to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Believe B L E A V fifty. That's Believe B L E A V five zero. Bet online where the game starts. First Western Bank. We are more than just a bank. We are your partner for all your financial services. First Western has real professionals with years of experience in banking, mortgage, insurance, and investments. From financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products, mortgages, and small business banking. First Western with locations throughout Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and online at firstwestern.com. Exceptional financial services all in one place. First Western Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. Chuck, happy Labor Day. Hey, guys. How's it going? 
you're uh, laboring on Labor Day. You know, I just thought about that. I mean, I just thought, hey, it's Monday. Got to get ready to roll. I just thought about the fact it was Labor Day. We get double time today? Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. All like right. where your head's at, yeah. Chuck. Yeah, we're going to do okay. a six-hour show. We're, we're going to double, holiday d- pay? double our time here. So. All right. Good deal. I tried to buy donuts on the way in this morning, and they were closed. Even they Everybody's the closed. It's Labor Day. <laughs> exactly. I will say this, though. Guys, I think there's I think there's people that are still get up and listen to this because oh, they yeah. want to hear they want to hear what we have to say they want to hear about the hogs this morning. You asked this question three years ago. They're sleeping. Yeah, they're, we wouldn't have done the show. Tommy's like ah, they're too they're gonna be too ten again. Like, y'all, people y'all are still up this morning. People are still up. They just don't have to get up and go to work. Right. So um, in fact, they may listen longer today because that's they right. they can enjoy so. your coffee and. Uh, Break it down. So make us feel better with a call or a text this morning. Now, uh, obviously, we're here, but we got things to say. That's why we're here. Hogs win 31-24. Chuck, you've got your new podcast down. We're going to talk about that later. But uh, there were a lot of plays that define this game. Yeah, but, I mean, but I you think, know. But I think K.J. Jefferson late in that ball game, the way he kept the ball in Arkansas's hands, uh, can, cannot be uh, second or third on the things we mentioned this morning. It has to be first. You know, when we talk about is K.J. going to run as much, you know, we may look statistically when it's over and the answer may be no. But when the game's on the line, K.J.'s going to run. I, I mean, that's just the thing that you got to, you know, that's going to happen. And the other teams are going to figure that out as well. And it gives you an advantage in those situations. We will not face a third and nine this year where the other side's not worried about K.J. taking off and running for the first down. And, um, hey, they needed nine. He got 14. They kept the ball to the end of the game. And, um, you know, that was uh, that was a pretty good way to end it right there. Now, I'm not a tactician. I'm not going to draw an X's and O's up for anybody and get any awards. But, man, when you spread four or five out and you send them out there, then that field spreads like it did on that particular play. Somebody's going to be open with the quality of the wide receivers, or KJ's going to have just forever to run in the middle of the field, and that's exactly what happened on third and nine. Well, I'm going to be honest with you here. I think KJ's improved a whole lot as a passer, but when it's third and nine, I got no problem at all with KJ taking off. And in fact, I'm not sure that's not our best play. Just to be perfectly honest, I mean, and and, and I don't mean that in a in a bad way about anything. I just think that. He's that kind of player. When it's third and nine, I just assume the ball stay in his hands as long as it can. Listen, it takes some guts to try to tackle a 235-pound grown man running full speed downhill, and that's exactly what you're going to have when K.J. gets in that situation. There wasn't many uh, in secondary, at least, for Cincy that wanted to step up and try to stop that. Well, not just that. I mean, he can make you miss. I mean, you talked about, I mean, when that field gets spread out and, I mean, he's in uh, you know he's in the middle running, you know, and he cuts back kind of like he did there. I mean, he can um, he can make guys miss, and he can run over you, and that's what makes him so dangerous. I just wonder, guys, at his size, and only an opponent can answer this. Does his little subtleties and the way he runs, maybe the way he shifts his shoulders and, and that kind of move to fake an opponent, is, is it more profound because of his size? It makes you miss bigger, perhaps. I, I just thought of that, that while you were talking. I, I couldn't answer that question, but I wonder if someone that maybe goes up against him in practice all the time or an opponent would tell you, yeah, his his little moves and subtleties might be a little more exaggerated because of his size. Well, he's a he's a big guy. I know that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tackle him. He certainly made a play at a at a critical moment, and 
Um, that was a huge play. He you don't keep the ball, Cincinnati gets it back, and you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and we were talking earlier this morning. You don't want to know what, what could have happened in that situation. Chuck, is he faster? I think he's faster than last year. Oh, I don't know. Maybe by a whisker, maybe. He's lost a little weight. Maybe so. Um, he's fast enough. You know, I, I don't I don't I don't get hung up on, you know, has he gone from four this to four that? I mean, is he fast enough when the game's on the line? And so far the answer to that's been yes. Yeah. Eighteen of twenty six with his pass, and you talk about he's improved there. Came right out of the gate and um I don't want to say I was surprised because we know Kendall Browns loves to throw the football, but after all of the talk about being physical and running the ball and all of these things that Sam Pippen had said, I was a I was a little bit it raised my eyebrows, Chuck, that they came out throwing the ball in the first few plays. Oh, I didn't think that much about it to be honest. I mean, I th- I think I think you can be physical running the or uh, throwing throwing the football. I mean. I thought they did a pretty good job of establishing the run. I think Bryles, and, and, and I think it's one of the things that doesn't get said enough, I think Bryles does a really good job of putting K.J. in position to make throws he can make. Um, he was 18 of 26 Saturday. Um, as, so, as Sam Pittman said right after the ball game in the media session, he threw some good ones, he threw some bad ones. Um, you know, K.J. is still not the finished product in terms of being a passer. Um, now, he does make some good throws, but, man, when he misses, he can miss. And so I think Kendall Bryles does a really good job of not putting him in a position where he has to make a throw that he can't make. And I think part of maybe what they did early, and, you know, you can go back, I think, and look at the throws. Um, you know, you want to get your star comfortable as quickly as you can. Last year, K.J. was not comfortable out of the gate against Rice. And I don't think he played his best game Saturday, to be perfectly honest with you. I thought he made a great run. I mean, he counted for four touchdowns. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sniveling at anything he did. I'm just saying I think he can be even better than that. But um, um, I think they do a good job of putting him in a position to make throws he can make. Um, if you ask, in fact, I... I don't know if Luke Fickle really meant this or not. I mean, he said we were surprised that he ran as much as he did. We thought he might sling it across the lawn or something, yard or something like that. I forget how he worded it. You know, KJ's not a guy who can sling it all over the yard. There are certain throws and certain spots where he's really good. Certain throws, certain spots were not so good. And I think they do a really good job of disguising or covering what he can't do and accentuating what he can. Play to your strengths. Say that back shoulder throw to Jaden Hazelwood kind of in the slot was one of the best throws I've seen him make. And he was I asked him about that after the game. He was talking about, well, uh, if he was open like he was in that one-on-one situation, I was going to throw it to him. And, and it's good to see that connection early with him and Jaden Chuck. Yeah, I mean, Hazelwood's good. And uh, that's what they brought him in here to do. You know, he was... Um, you know, people look at that speed and they think game-breaking guy, and, and he is, but if you really look at his numbers at Oklahoma, he was much more really of a possession guy. Um, I mean, he led him in receptions. And, um, you know, Hazelwood's a really good possession guy, runs good routes. Um, you make good throws, he'll catch it. And I think that he will develop into, and, and we will see very quickly that he already is, frankly, a very reliable receiver and um you know kj's got a connection with Knox. there's no doubt 
But uh, Hazelwood's really good, understands the game. You can tell that by the way he runs his routes, the way he plays, the way he reacts to you know, how the play's developing. And I think he's a really good football player. Now you mentioned Trey Knox. Sam Pittman was very, very credited to him in the postgame. He's worked hard at tight end. And to be honest with you, he believes he's a tight end, and he is. I mean, he's, he's a good one. And uh, he came coming off the field uh, on his uh, second TD and, you know, went down their sides, you know. I said, you happy you moved tight end? You know, and those are special moments because you never know if it's going to work out. A lot of times it doesn't. Guys, we saw the 6'5 frame at work on the jump pass, and then we saw the speed on the kind of in-the-flats take. He's he's got the ability, and and he's in a perfect spot now. Yeah. I've tried putting on 25 and getting faster. It hadn't worked for me, but uh, it worked for Trey Knox. you got to feel good for a guy that could have went to the portal, could have went in other places perhaps to, to get playing time at wide receiver. Chuck, this is the kind of story we don't hear enough, and that's a guy that, that sticks it out and is having success. Well, you know, they sold him on the idea that he could be a tight end. And just very frankly, you know, when – when your coach says you're glad you made the move to tight end, uh, I mean, I know they had discussions about this. And, you know, Trey Knox thought of himself as a wide receiver. He was a four-star wide receiver. Uh, but, you know, it just was not working out here. And, you know, I don't know. He would have had some options if he transferred as a wide receiver. But I don't know that people would have been, you know, falling all over themselves the way they were when he came out of high school. But they talked to him about being a tight end. And, he bought into it, and, and that's the biggest thing. Uh, this, is a, uh, this is a success story. This is why coaches coach, and uh, if you've got a player that will let you coach them um, and, and, and let you uh, make observations and then take what you say to heart, which he did, uh, that's when you've got a chance to really do something special. And Trey Knox gets a lot of credit uh, for what he's done because he could have left. You're exactly right. And um, these coaches – get a lot of credit for being coaches, you know, for seeing things the rest of us don't see, for seeing things maybe the player himself doesn't even see. And I think when you have that, um, you know, sometimes you get this kind of result, and that's what makes it all worthwhile. Let's give some more credit to the coaching staff. You think about the transfers that they got out of the portal. Dwight McLaughlin had an interception. Drew Sanders, Landon Jackson had a sack. Terry Hampton had a big tackle for loss. Jordan Dominic had the play of the game with the strip sack and fumble recovery in the fourth quarter. We mentioned Hazelwood's touchdown. Even Jake Bates was kicking balls out of the end zone, guys. I mean, they got some guys out of the portal that are going to be huge for this football team this year. Yeah, because you think, conversely, Cincinnati misses two field goals. They make one or both of those. Is the outcome different? Is it being tighter, make Arkansas play different? Does the decisions made down the stretch become different? I mean, Cincinnati, I thought, got in their own way a lot with penalties. And it wasn't just the fact that they had 10, Chuck. The timely, because they had four, like back to back to back to back down there on the uh, north end when they had the ball at the three-yard line, took themselves right out of it. It was the timeliness, just like in that possession, that uh, led to such a sloppy performance at times for Cincinnati that uh, they've got to feel like they beat themselves a lot too. Well, I think when you look at this game with Cincinnati, when you look at the game we watched on television last night, when you look down at what happened with Florida and Utah and you know, some of the other games this, this, this weekend, I don't think we should take for granted for one second that we played, for the most part, a pretty disciplined ball game because uh, you don't always see that in the season opener. 
Cincinnati had two penalties in the first half, and then it just fell apart. They had eight in the second half. You want to talk about the transfer portal? Um, you're right. I mean, we hit the jackpot with the transfer portal. And look at Cincinnati. Transfer quarterback. He's pretty good. He was pretty good in the second half. He'll have more good days and bad days this year. Transfer quarterback. Their top rusher, Corey Kiner, transfer from LSU. Their kicker that missed two field goals. They were 9 of 19 last year. They brought this guy in from Delaware. He was 14 of 17 there last year, and he missed two. So, I mean, um, sometimes you got to get a little lucky in that portal. Uh, but you got to evaluate well is, is in, in, in addition to that. And, um, I mean, you're right. Where would we be without those guys? Yeah. Labor Day Monday in the Morning Rush brought to you by Farm Credit. Do you have a loan with a variable or balloon interest rate? If you're worried about the rising interest cost and what it will do to your payment, you need to talk to our friends at Farm Credit. You can lock in a, long, lock in a long-term fixed rate right now for the life of your loan. Long-term fixed rates from Farm Credit give you peace of mind. In changing economic times, they've got the longest terms right now in the ag industry. Hey, shop them today. You'll find you'll love the experience at Farm Credit. Find an office near you and head there tomorrow at myaglender.com. That's myaglender.com. Farm Credit is an equal housing lender. We ask you to give us a text or a call a minute ago to kind of let us know your list. And one of the texts we got in this morning is from Jerry in Fort Smith. And I think this is the concern a lot of people have. Chuck, the, the injuries seem to be piling up in the secondary. I know Sam's not going to come right out and give us all of it. He may not have known all of it right after the game, but a couple of concerns there with Catalan and Slusher. Yeah, we'll find out more about noon today. I know, um, you know, Catalan had an MRI yesterday. I don't, I don't know what the results are. That that's standard stuff, though. Um, we'll find out at noon today. It it looked to me like, and Coach Pittman kind of confirmed this after the ball game. Slusser just came up on the really bad end of a collision with a big man, and um, you know, I I don't know if it knocked him out, but it came pretty close. My point is, is I think that's, you know, he's going to be okay. I'm sure, I say I'm sure, I, I can't help but wonder if he's going to be in some kind of protocol this this week, and we'll just have to see how that, that turns out. This is the flip side of playing a quality opponent in your first game. This is the flip side, is that you're going to lose players. Um, you're going to have guys get hurt. And if you're playing a team that's not as good, chances are you're not going to get as many guys hurt. Uh, but, you know, Cincinnati's the real deal. And uh, beat a good team, beat a physical team. I mean, they, uh, you know, let's not kid ourselves. That opening drive, until McLaughlin got that pick, they did everything they wanted to do. And, um, you know, that was a momentum-changing play. But my point is, they were a physical football team as well. We lost some guys. And, um, again, I, th- I think we'll find out a lot more, particularly about Catalan. Uh, probably somewhere when Coach Pittman does his press conference today. I know Simeon Blair was asked about that in the press conference on the back end. Here's what he had to say. I might be in there with Breeny at practice all the time, so it's not nothing new for me to play with Breeny. It was nothing new for me to be in there with Jaden Johnson at Nickel. And I feel like Odom trains us for this. He cross-trains a lot of different positions just in case we do get hurt like that. So I feel like we were very prepared for that. We don't know if those guys are going to be back for Saturday or not, but they at least have the preparation to be okay if that gets to that point. Well, we saw last year, Chuck, that after Catalan's injury, Arkansas had some difficulties in the Ole Miss game, but from then on, Barry Odom had coached him up, and that wasn't a liability. So even if you have someone that you count on, 
Um, within short order, Barry Odom at least has a track record of fixing that up, and we hope that he has all of his guys, but I'm comfortable that he can get it where he wants to be. There's plenty of depth there. I think we're just going to have to see, first off, what we're looking at here before we go overboard. I'm, I mean, part of all this, and, and this is the way it is in modern college football now, um, everybody wants to know, how is somebody? I've gotten, I can't even tell you how many texts <laughs> I got yesterday. How's Catalan? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first off, um, they're not allowed to release all that stuff unless the player's good with it. Most folks don't realize that. And... Um, Secondly, they're not going to because they play a game Saturday. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're just not going to get that kind of information. This is not the NFL where, you know, the gambling rules make you disclose everything. Um, you don't have to do that in college football. So um, we'll find out more today. Tommy, I bet Chuck's fielding more calls and texts that are doctor-related in his in his time. He, he probably just has so many people. I bet, is that a, a common occurrence, Chuck? Anytime someone gets injured, you got about 100 texts to your phone? I'll tell you what else is a common occurrence. Me not answering any of them. <laughs> yeah. That's a common occurrence, too. Smart. Just yeah. uh, leave them on red. Unlike you, I did get a few texts, but I could count them. It, did, it wouldn't have taken me as long as it did you, but... I, uh, but I, you know, I'm sure you got the same thing. I had, you know, somewhere between half a dozen and a dozen inquiries like that. And listen, they don't give us a special handout. They uh, it says, "Oh, here's all the details on uh, what's wrong with these guys." But, uh, well, sometimes too, guys, they don't know. Yeah, it's just like everything exactly right. else in the world. Everybody wants an instant answer. How's you know they want to know how Catalan is right after the ball game, like. Like they did an MRI in the locker room, and he's already been assessed, and there's been a medical team look over him during the game, and they've already come up with all their prognosis. He should be out it of surgery soon. Like that, yeah, he'll be out of surgery within the hour. And, and uh, um, now, look, these doctors, I'm sure, have a pretty good idea. They've done this a long time. They get a pretty good idea when they see something, but uh, you still don't know for sure. I mean, it's still the practice of medicine, and so uh, um, sometimes you just don't know. Yeah. Well. Playing armchair doctor, they did show him on TV walking around with no shoulder pads. So at least he was able to be on the sideline, didn't have his gear on, was moving, you know, just just moving around. They show that on TV. So for whatever that's worth, at least he wasn't confined to the to the training room or locker room at the end of the game. Well, I mean, that's just um, you know, again, and and um, it's part of football. It's part of football. And uh, we got one to talk about right after the first game this year. We don't have to wait till the second or third week. So, uh, but that's part of it. What you all? What you guys think of the crowd? Seventy four thousand, almost seventy five. That was seventy four seven fifty one or something like that. It was right in the neighborhood of what we thought. But Chuck, they were loud. I didn't think you were supposed to be able to draw on Labor Day weekend. That's what I was always told when the stadium wasn't full. Well, it's Labor Day weekend. Um, I think we found out Saturday that if you're good, they'll be there regardless of what what the holiday is. I thought it was a great crowd. I got a pretty good vantage point over there on how to, you know, see the stadium and judge the crowd. And um, I think about the Alabama game, the 80-yard run game, um, maybe 2010 when Petrino was here, the Texas game last year, and Saturday. Those are the four biggest crowds I've seen there. I don't care what the numbers say. I mean, I got, I, I've still got pretty good eyes, and um, I was blown away by it Saturday. You, I was listening to you and Quinn, and, and you made a mention in the radio broadcast about, e, and you've got the best vantage point to see what's in that East Indoor Club, which are usually the last seats 
on a lot of occasions to fill in and to fill up. And you, I, I remember you mentioning how even the East Indoor Club was uh, was fairly full. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't jam-packed, but I've seen lots of games where every other seat was close to full, and, boy, you could you can sit anywhere you want in those East Indoor Clubs. And there's a certain time of the day when the sun hits it where you can see in there and see how many people are in there. And I thought there were a good number of people in there. But the corner section's up top on the east side, um, everything was full. I thought the crowd, you know, when it was first in goal Cincinnati, um, and, you know, the only place where there really were empties was the north end, the end zone there. But uh, you really see, or I thought anyway, really maybe for one of the few times the effects of having that thing enclosed in that north end now, how that sound bounced around in there. The old days, that sound escapes. Um, that sound bounced around in there, and it, it it affected Cincinnati, and when they had to settle for a field goal right there, I thought that was a big win for the Razorback defense. Two delay of games, one illegal procedure, yeah. and a false start. Four penalties. Yeah. and Those are those are crowd penalties. All yeah, four all of them four. are crowd yeah. penalties. Because you line up wrong, and then... And I didn't know that that because it was weird how they were they were shifted heavy to the left side. And what was it? It's like number eleven. It was an odd number to have uh, pinned inside like that uh, towards the end, kind of like an extra tight end. And I didn't know if that was going to be called. It was late getting in because of the way it moved because it was it was, it was a it was a weird looking formation. Yeah, that if 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 I'm right, the tight end actually tied, lined up at what would have been an interior tackle spot. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't, you know more about it than I do. I don't, I don't think he was, um, you know, I don't think he would have been an eligible receiver no, there. He was covered yeah. up. But, uh, yeah. but, but the way that guy moved, it was kind of disguised amongst all those big bodies there. And I didn't know if it was going to get cold because it was hard to detect even at first glance. And then you look at it the second time and it was like, wow. So, But, 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 but that's a crowd penalty. Yeah, all absolutely. four of them absolutely. were crowd penalties. And, um, when you've got to settle for a field goal after first and goal at the three, you feel defeated. You feel like you missed an opportunity, and in a big game, you're smart enough to know you might not get it again, and as it turns out, they did At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. I'll do something different because I know KJ is going to be a popular answer. So let me go with Dwight McLaughlin because early in that ball game, Cincinnati was moving the ball, and you know, boy, Odenberg gets some adjustments going. You're wringing your hands a little bit, and then Bryant tries to throw that one across the field. Took a you know, just didn't throw it hard enough. Just didn't have the arm strength to get it there. 
that changed the momentum of the game. It was a huge play, and I thought when things kind of got wobbly a little bit in the secondary, he was one of those that stepped up. I'll go with him just to you know, to leave the runway open for, for KJ and anybody else. I would pick Trey Knox. You know, he scored a couple of touchdowns. He'd had four career touchdowns going into Saturday. Had half that total in the game. Uh, it was not a simple catch on the jump pass. Um, scored a touchdown. I think he's reliable, good blocker, different position. I'd name Trey Knox. I'd go Rocket Sanders. No Dominique Johnson on Saturday. Rocket goes for over 100 yards. A lot of tough, hard-earned yards. He used a bunch of stiff arms. I thought he played well as a sophomore. First thing he did is a press conference. want to give credit to KJ, my offensive line. I love when a guy does that. But I think you can go. I mean, there's a bunch of them. That's what's great about this game. You don't have that singular player that stands out because I think a, gun, a bunch of guys made plays. If someone would have said Jordan Dominic because of what he did in the fourth quarter, I wouldn't have raised my eyebrows at that either. So what about KJ? 18 of 26, 223 yards, threw for three touchdowns, ran for another on a net of 62. He gets the credit for all the losses on uh, on the sacks as well, but gained 87. Where, where does KJ slot in for Saturday? Oh, he had a great game. KJ was KJ. And I think that we saw at the end of the game where they needed nine and he got 14. I mean, that's 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 what he does. And um, he took the game over there at the end. And that's what great players do, regardless of what's happened during the course of the day. I mean, great players take over games in critical moments. And um, he made what I think um, was arguably the biggest play of the game. What's crazy is what Chuck said earlier. That's not even going to be his best game. Almost 70% completion, four total touchdowns, looked good, had some missed throws. That's not going to be his best game of the season. That's what we have to look forward to in 2022. Well, let's just say we've come to expect it from KJ. He's a great well, player. That's, that's exactly right. We expect KJ to play like he did on Saturday. He's not going to be perfect. I think sometimes when we have a superstar, um, you expect him to be perfect. You expect him to be you know, um, all pro on every play. And it's not going to be that way. I mean, he's a college quarterback. He's going to make some bad throws. He's going to make some bad reads. He's going to miss some open guys. Um, if he was a, if he was an NFL quarterback now, that's where he'd be. So, you know, um, but I'm telling you when the game's on the line and we've seen it, um, I want the ball in his hands. Who was your player of the game against Cincinnati? That's our Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily Question, brought to you by Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at RedRiverDodge.com. This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning Rush is presented by Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Professional people, professional service. Schedule your service appointment today at GoPascal.com. All right, so guys, when we get into this game, what else stood out? I like what I saw from Rashad Dominion. I don't know if he's in that player of the game category, but he sure provided a burst when he stepped on the field. It was a nice run, and uh, we'll see how much time he gets with Dominique coming back. Dominique will play this week, and, um, you know, Dominion's going to have chances. And the thing about a young player like that is is that you don't get many chances, and so when you do, you got to make plays, and he was able to do that. You think about, I mean, Saturday, I mean, Sam mentioned this after the game. It was hot. You know, the, the temperature, when you look at it, I think it's, it, it's listed on the box score like 81. It sure looked hotter than that and sure, sure seemed to, to wear Cincinnati down in the second half a little bit more. Having a fresh set of legs in the second half, another back where you mentioned Johnson back, Dubinion, and Rocket, and A.J., 
Um, you could certainly see in these early season games, Chuck, how that might be a huge edge at the end of the game. Well, I think, for example, um, when you and, – and, and this was one of the things that I thought made that drive at the end of the game impressive. You know, you might go with a fresher leg um, on some of the plays in that possession if, uh, you know, if you've got someone like Dominique available. Um, it just adds to what you've got back there and, and um, adds to – you know who you can go to. That's a you know that's a good back in a critical moment that may be a little fresher than the other guy, and you don't lose anything when you take one out and put the other one in. And so, um, and and you know both these guys are 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 really good at recognizing defenses and picking up blitzes and doing things like that. And um, you know I would suspect they'd see a good bit of that on Saturday, or at least some of that. Let's talk about this defensive line. Big question mark going into the week, going into the season. And uh, Chuck, in the end, you have Dominic on the strips, uh, the strip sack fumble that we just talked about. Zach Williams got a half a, a sack in this ball game. The team recorded three sacks that lost thirty yards. Hurried Ben Bryant up four times. What was your thoughts on how the defensive line played? I thought they were fine. Uh, I mean, you know, I thought they were good. They played a good team. They played a veteran offensive line and. I thought they held up. Uh, you know, they uh, um, there were points where they bent. But, you know, other teams got good players too. I mean, and um, everybody Arkansas plays this year is going to have good players. I watch BYU a little bit. They got good players. Everybody does. And so, um, but I thought for the most part, they held up fine. I, I You know, it was encouraging to see, you know, Dominic's play was a great play. I thought Terry Hampton really played well. I think Terry Hampton's going to be a real factor at that nose tackle spot. Um, and, 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 I mean, he can, you know, he, he can play when they go down four, too. So, uh, I thought he really helped him a lot. I thought it was interesting when you visited with Coach Pittman immediately after game on the radio broadcast, he mentioned about Barry Odom and the aggressive nature of the way the defense was set up. He mentioned it again in his postgame press conference. I'll be interested to see... Are there many adjustments? Well, you know, that's one of the things, too, and, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, when when you play a first ball game, even in a game like that, you've still got to find out what you got. Mm-hmm. And you got to find out, can we play man? Can we play man? Well, you found out Saturday that there were some situations where you can and there were some situations where you can't. Um, you may not see things quite the way they were against South Carolina, the way they were against Cincinnati. Um, you know, what's the quarterback like? What's their offense like? Do they, um, you know, how much time, you know, do they generally take to get the ball out? What's their, you know, what's their, you know, what's their MO offensively? Um, you know, all those things. So I wouldn't, you know, if, if, if guys running free becomes a pattern, now that's a different issue. Yeah. But um, I think in the first game, even if you are playing a ranked team, I think you still got to find out what you got. There was a, one play that I remember where there was some open room in the secondary, and Cincinnati made some yards. And you look, and Catalan was pressuring Ben Bryant. They'd called a safety blitz. I, I assume that's what it, what it was on that play because Catalan was coming after the quarterback, and they just left something open. Those are, I guess, some of the things they'll watch and adjust to. Well, those are things that are real easy to see from up in the stands. Yeah. And you talked about, you know, Catalan just drilling that quarterback on mm-hmm. that one throw. I mean, that's what he's seeing. 
Tommy, you call games. You're down there on the field. It's a lot different at field oh. level than it is up in the stands. You can see it. That's 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 why your coordinators a lot of the time are upstairs mm-hmm. because they can see everything. It's not like that down on the field. The field, that's why coaches, that's why head coaches say, well, I'm going to have to watch the tape. It's not because they don't want to tell you. It's because the field's the worst seat in the house. It's true. And uh, uh, you can't see what happened on a play necessarily from down there on the field. And so um, – you know, we may see that guy running free from where we are, but if there's enough people coming at that quarterback, I promise you, Ben Bryant saw Jalen Catalan. <laughs> and got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> he saw number one coming at him with a bullet. And so um, um, I do think that's important to think about sometimes when we're fans that, uh, hey, yeah, if that quarterback was sitting up there in the stands and he could see everything the way you see, boy, that would have probably been a touchdown. But, like, when I think, but on the field, it ain't like that. But when I hear the word aggressive from the head coach and you think about a safety blitz, and that's one play out of the entire game that I'm thinking about, but you know that goes to, to me to, to the definition of an aggressive defense when you're sending your best player, your safety, your, your, your safety net in a lot of cases after the quarterback. That's, that's an aggressive call. Well, it is, and, and – you know, Barry Odom was aggressive defensively, and, and there will be games where he is, and there will be games where they're not as aggressive. And, um, you know, I thought they threw a lot at him on uh, Saturday in terms of, you know, who they brought and guys they left on islands, and, and uh, that's what you do early. You find out what you got, and there'll be adjustments as we go. I'm sure it'll be a little bit different Saturday. You know, I'm wondering as the game went on if, if Arkansas had the edge ultimately in the end, and, and I don't know if you can say that based on the way Ben Bryant played in the second half, but um, it took him a while to get on track. I just wonder with the with the quarterback competition that they publicly at least talked about at Cincinnati with Rector and Bryant and not being settled in sooner at quarterback, if that was part of their um, – Part of their problems getting the passing game going in the first half where Arkansas has just been more settled. I wonder how much of an edge just Arkansas being settled in camp at QB versus Cincy apparently not being settled uh, proved to be a difference in this ballgame. Well, I think Cincinnati was settled at QB. I think they've known from day one that Ben Bryant was going to be their quarterback. Um, I think that was just uh, a head coach being a head coach. He's, um, you know, He's a pretty good player. He was a lot better in the second half. I'm glad those guys weren't running free as much in the second half as they were in the first because I doubt he'd have missed them then. But um, I think they were settled at quarterback. I just don't think he's as good as the one they had. Yeah, Prater came in for what, like two plays? Well, he, yeah, Bryant's helmet got knocked yeah. off there at the end of the third quarter, and Prater <laughs> came in for the first play of yeah. the fourth quarter. I think that was it. Now let's talk about that for a second. I mean, it had to be 10 or 11 times that Cincinnati had a helmet come off in the ball game. I've never seen one team. I've never even seen a game with that many combined. But, Chuck, that was uh, – The game even concluded like that. I mean, that game yeah, I mean, they'd take 10 seconds off the clock. I don't know I, if it was a chin strap issue, like the actual issue with the chin strap itself, or if, you know, this was an issue of guys, you know, I don't know what it was, but it was a uh, – you know, they might have just, you know, they might have just gotten hit hard, guys. Yeah. I mean, you ever thought about that? Yeah. I mean, they might have just gotten hit hard. They're getting popped. I mean, ask, Bill Bri- ask Ben Bryant how he's feeling mm-hmm. Monday morning. He got popped even when he let the ball go, and he only got sacked three times. But I don't know what his QB hurries and, and hits Hey, were, our guys but- got hit, too. There was one time KJ was a little slow getting up, and as we've discussed, we've uh, – 
we got some issues there, and I'm sure Cincinnati's got some issues there too. I mean, that's the flip side of playing a great opponent in a first ball game. I mean, uh, you're going to lose some guys. And Trey, on that play, Trey kind of let go of his block early, and, and KJ got blasted on, on the blind side on that. I remember that play specifically, Chuck. Well, there was that play, and, and he held on to the ball there. There was also one at the north end where he was a little slow getting up, and, um, you know, that's, that's, that's football. That's what happens. Morning Rush on a Hot Take Monday. Chuck Barrett here with us. It's presented by Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Now you, you kind of fast forward. You got South Carolina who struggled uh, in their game on Saturday versus Cincinnati. One of the conversations we were having Saturday night after the game on Hog Reaction is I don't think it's easy to say. In fact, I don't think you can say that uh, you didn't play the tougher of the two opponents uh, in your first two weeks on Saturday. Cincinnati was very physical. Arkansas feels beat up. I, I think you played just as tough a game. South Carolina's got a high bar to clear to be a tougher opponent for the Razorbacks. Well, you know, each week's different. I mean, that's the thing that you got to remember. Each week's different. And, you know, if you base your opinion on the second week on what happened on the first week, you're, you know, you're going to be wrong as much as you're right. And so the thing South Carolina did was they won the game in special teams um, Saturday night. Uh, they'd have been in trouble, honestly, if they'd not been great in special teams. And, you know, I think that's one of the things right now. I mean, we've talked about the offense and the defense for, what, an hour and a half. And, um, I thought the special teams were really good, and I think that that's the area where perhaps we've made the most improvement over the past three years. I mean, let's be honest, guys. I remember the first year. I knew about Scott Fountain, and, and, and I knew a lot about his history, and um, I knew that, you know, if um, and, and, and I knew Pittman would give him the chance to get it done because he's uh, he believes in him. He's coached with him. He knows how good he is, but uh, – that first year, a lot of people wondered what was going to happen. And, you know, I think we've seen it in some of the other games that we watched over the weekend that, um, you know, special teams can be a real issue, especially early. But I thought that um, – I think that's a good sign. I thought our team looked coached. I thought they looked disciplined. I'll contrast that with LSU last night. Um, you know, I thought that we looked that way three years ago with about a third of the talent that LSU's got. And, and – um, those things should not be taken for granted, and that's part of progress. And you look at where we are in special teams, and you look at where we are in terms of the way we handle. You know, you don't see a lot of penalties and, you know, stupid penalties, ill-timed penalties. You don't see a lot of that anymore, and, and, and that's a sign of progress. Speaking of that LSU game last night, you watched the end of it. Chuck, did you watch the tail end of it? I watched the end of it. Okay, well, for those who didn't watch the end of it, Here's how it went down. Up there in the flat off a mesh or a pick. Let's decide it. Right here in New Orleans. Jaden Daniels. To the end zone. Got it. Jerry Jenkins. My, oh, my, what a night New Orleans. Music to your ears, right, Chuck? You know, it was uh, it was a crazy ball game. It was not a you know. I don't think either one of those teams are any good. Just to tell you the truth, um, I don't. I don't think any either one of them are any good. But um, I just thought LSU played uh, a really undisciplined ball game. I was I was I was shocked at the mm-hmm. fact that they played that way. But to lose in their own backyard is even. 
It's like a home loss. It's like a home loss. It's as close to losing in Baton Rouge as you can get for LSU. Yeah, there's not often. Of course, I do remember one game against Bama. I don't think they got it across the 50 down there, but uh, they don't lose very many times in that building. Did that, no, they don't. Did that do anything for you for, with Florida State? You brought that up last week. Did they show you something, or is that just one of those things, ah, whatever? It's a big win. I, I don't I don't think football people are going to be, you know, thinking, man, you know, Florida State's back or anything like that. But they got a great win last night, and uh, – you know, expansion's not done. A lot of people think they're coming to our league, and I guess we'll see. Yeah. Greg Sankey had a few things. We'll get into that later on. Greg Sankey in Atlanta spoke about the college football playoff. We haven't even gotten into that topic on something that happened uh, after our show on, on Friday. You know, I want to talk to you guys for just a minute about Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric and, and thank him for being the sponsor of this segment. Um, you know, Tommy, you and I had a chance to go to their, their mm-hmm. headquarters the other day. I, I was just so impressed, blown away, really at uh, the operation at, at Pascal. Simply put, uh, these are pros, professional people, professional service, and all of your air, plumbing, and electric needs are covered by the pros at Pascal. Now, it's a familiar name. They've been around for 50-plus years, and a lot has changed over the decades. But one thing has always been the same. Pascal has been the trusted choice for your home heating and air needs. Now, they've expanded. Not only are they in northwest Arkansas, they're in Hot Springs, they're in the River Valley, Fort Smith, Searcy, Cabot, uh, moving into southwest Missouri as well. I'm so proud of Charlie Boyce. He's the owner of Pascal. And, you know, they got a lot of former Razorbacks out there. It was like old home week for me, having an opportunity to see a lot of those old baseball players. Trey Holloway's out there, Nick Schmidt, Drew Vest is there from football, Autumn Storms from softball. They got a lot of... A lot of, a lot of young professionals out there who are really good at what they do. I was just so impressed when I was there, and I know you will be too. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You know, it's Labor Day. A lot of people looking for things to do today as they go to the lake. Maybe they're going to get caught up in, on some yard work or whatever it is. One thing you can do today, Chuck, is download and listen to the all-new Give Me the Hogs Chuck podcast episodes one featuring Matt Jones and episode two with your thoughts on the game Saturday are both available at hitthatline.com. You guys have seen that commercial where the grandkids get out of the car and they're running to the porch and they're eager with anticipation to get a hug from their grandparents and their grandparents walk out with all their cords to all their stuff and say, great to see you kids, these don't work. That's kind of how I am with this podcast. And uh, you guys have helped me. Ty's helped me a lot. Um, it's been a lot of fun. But from, from what I understand, Ty, you can expand on this. It's important to download. There's a difference between downloads and listens. You guys tell me if I'm wrong on that. And uh, downloads are important. Am you, I right, Ty? Do, do I sound like an old man? No, when I say you that? sound you sound like you know it, man. Yeah, get okay. the make sure you download it so you not only can listen to the podcasts when you have internet, but when you don't have internet as well. That's one of the key parts. Wait a, wait a minute. Let that. me let me let me step in here and help. What about subscribing, Ty? You need to subscribe, subscribe as well. Too. You gotta yeah. do all that. That helps us get the podcast <laughs> to you quicker. It helps us get our content out to more people. And, yes, we are the number one sports podcast network in the state of Arkansas, but we want to continue to grow that as much as possible for Chuck's podcast, for this podcast, 
and for all of the podcasts on our network as well. So if you've been listening to the Morning Rush podcast or any of those on our network, it's it's real easy. You already kind of tied in. But if you're out there listening and say, I want to listen to Chuck's podcast, I, I've never done that before. I don't listen to podcasts. Just go to hitthatline.com. Or on your Apple, if you're on your iPhone, you go to the, the podcast logo and you can search, hit that line, and it'll bring it up. But if you go to our website, you know, if you just want to go old school, there's a button right on the button bar that says, Give me the hogs, Chuck. Click on that. It's right there in front of you. It, you know, it, it, it really is. We joke about it. It's really not that hard. I mean, if you've got an iPhone, hit the podcast app. Up there on the search bar, right in, hit that line. It's not hard, yeah. and it'll 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 come up. I mean, it's uh, um, you know once you uh, once guys like me let their head stop spinning for a minute and say, okay. I mean, if if Ty can do it, I can do it. That's 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 you know, and 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 I'm not just talking about you, Ty. I'm I'm, I'm talking about that generation. I just tell myself, well, if these kids can do it, I can do it. And so uh, after, you know, a little bit, I figure it out. Yeah, you guys have – think of the, the 27-year-old knucklehead, 27 knucklehead you're listening to this morning. Every single one of you is smarter than me. So if I can do it, trust well, me. I think that goes without you saying. You can't – it doesn't even need yeah. to be mentioned, I guess. Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Family reunions, you'll see people that you know, travel for those. That's kind of what it felt like Saturday, Chuck, was... It was a family reunion. Everybody getting back together, big crowd, seeing people you hadn't seen in a while. There's probably people that came back to the stadium for the first time since COVID uh, watching the game. So it, it kind of felt like a family reunion in, in some ways on Saturday. Well, and everybody was in a good mood because everybody's excited and everybody was ready to watch the Razorbacks play. And, and um, you know, it was just – I thought it was a great day all the way around. I, I just thought everything set up perfectly. We had a lot of rain on Friday, cooled things off, and – um, it was nice on Saturday morning. Warmed up in the afternoon. Got got hot. Game lasted forever, man. I mean, it was Second a long game. Was, yeah. Oh, lasted forever. But at the end of you know, at the end of the day, everybody was, you know, it was a tired, but it was a good kind of tired. And I think everybody, when it was over, was glad it was over. But everyone had a great day, and and that's um, that's what makes college football special. I Seven. mean, the game's important. But the day is what really makes it special. Seventy-four thousand seven fifty-one is the official attendance, seventh largest crowd in the stadium's history. You know, I know you guys do social media after ball games. You don't see people posting pictures of what happened on the field. Mm-mm. You see people posting pictures from their tailgate with their family members in the stands. Yep. Um, what they were wearing, who they were with, what, you know, I, I mean, all that stuff is what, uh, is what makes the day. And, uh, that's what people remember when they go home. Tommy, who took the selfie of Chuck 
Gino, Quinn, Z. You think Chuck took it? <laughs> Gino take it? Oh, who's got the longest arms, Who ever arms, had the longest? Chuck? I'm going to say Gino probably has the longest arms. I know that uh, they, they, they have cameras in there now. Used to, they didn't have cameras in there. You could do whatever you wanted to. Now you have to be conscious of the <laughs> fact that there's a camera rolling all the time. Well, they're not going to put out some stuff. If- no, I'm not saying that. But, you know, there was a point. I don't know if they still do it or not. I should know, but I don't know. Um, you know, IMG went through this period where for a couple of years they were trying to enhance their social media presence. So um, they put cameras in all the booths, and it was like a Facebook Live deal. And uh, it wasn't the game. It was just us. And, like, people would do that. And so um, I can remember it was like, guys, you know, every, we, we always remind ourselves, or we did during that period, was we're always on camera, guys. We're always on camera. If you got to do, you know, if you don't want to be on camera, you got to walk out of the booth. And uh, I hated that. And everybody else in there did, too. And I don't see that camera in there anymore, so I'm going to guess they don't do it. That's good. Or you smashed it, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, it might have ended up getting knocked out of the window. I, I, don't, I don't know how it happened. You know what, I, was... I, I will tell you this. There's lots of radio play-by-play guys, and I'd be lying if I said I hadn't done it before. You see that camera in there, and, you know, you got things going on in the booth, and things aren't going right, and you got to have conversations during the off-air. I'm not afraid to put a, you know, a, a cup in front of that camera. I'm not afraid to block that view for about 10 well, minutes and know. then pull that cup away after everything's taken care of. Was, so yeah. After a while, you learn a little bit so, about how to do it. Sometimes you got to have a little help session. That isn't always public That's stuff. Exactly you gotta right. you got to have a little pep talk. got to have a little pep talk. Wondering why I saw uh, Chuck in the horrible Henry press box with a hammer. Now I know. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Now I know why. And I think uh, the, the day overall, when, when it – concludes with the win it's great and it, it enhances that more but it was just a good day of college football i mean you went right from that arkansas game and i know y'all were i listened to hog reaction i also watched the end of the utah game i watched the game last night i think it was saturday itself it's just good to have college football back and when you start out against a top 25 opponent with the win chuck it makes it that much better i'll tell you what i enjoy doing after the ball games after we play like it was an afternoon game saturday night I love that varsity app where you can like you know bounce around and listen to all the all the other schools. I listen to uh, Paul Keels. Paul Keels um, is the voice of Ohio State, who I think's got the greatest pipes. I don't know. God blessed him with a pair of pipes that the rest of us never got. And I listened to him do the Notre Dame game. It was funny because when Notre Dame was ahead, I mean, you know, it was like they were you know calling a funeral. And uh, then when Ohio State started doing good again, I mean, they uh, man, they were up and fired up and ready, and I'm sure we do the same thing. Yeah. But I always enjoy listening to the homers. Yeah, we were watching that game here in the studio as uh, as we were getting ready for Hog Reaction and when we got on the air, and we couldn't decide whether to root for the tornado or a flood or whatever with those two playing each other. But that was a fun game. I mean, probably last night's game wasn't the best played as far as teams on the field but it was as exciting as anything between florida state and lsu that notre dame ohio state game it, it kept you glued in it was a, it was a good quality football game what do you do because both these games were like this for me what do you do when you don't want either team to win i mean yeah, I, I i i can count on one hand in fact i don't even think i'd need a hand to count the number of times I have pulled for LSU, Florida State, Ohio State, or Notre Dame to win. You're always pulling for the other guys because, generally speaking, they're the underdog. And then, you know, LSU's LSU. But um, last night's game was an exciting game. It was not a well-played game. Um, I thought all the things that watching LSU 
reminded me of um, the early Chad Morris era. And it frankly reminded me of the way it was with Florida State with Norvell when he got there. I mean, penalties at bad times. You had a senior captain spearing the quarterback last night. That wasn't a target. That was a flat-out spear. That was a dirty play. And um, that's a captain doing that. And uh, you had field goals blocked. You had an extra point blocked. Um, Those are things that um, that's – that's a team that looked undisciplined to me. Now, I'm sure they'll get it shored up as they go along, but, you know, you remember when Chad Morris was here. Man, we got so many stupid penalties. The difference was, you know, our talent level was not what LSU's is, <laughs> frankly. Um, you know, we played that way with about a third of the talent at that time. But I think LSU's got a long way to go. I don't care how good a coach you are. I don't care what your credentials are. And I think this goes back to what Sam Pittman did early in Arkansas. You didn't see that stuff. I mean, right off the bat, we weren't all that good his first year, but we didn't do stuff like that. And um, when I watched LSU last night, I I saw a team that hadn't been coached as much as perhaps it should have been. I know that comes with a first-year staff a lot of times, but they got a lot of work to do down there. Arkansas doesn't play LSU till November the 12th, so this may change, but it reaffirmed watching them last night that that's a winnable game. I mean, I've thought that all along, but if LSU had come out and won that game going away – might be a little more uneasy about that game, but I feel just as confident, if not more confident now, guys, in Arkansas's chances to beat LSU at home. You watch LSU, you know, if you go back and watch that game or if you watched it last night, when it was more of a controlled environment, so to speak, their quarterback really struggled. I mean, for the better part of the game, their best play was, well, let's let everything break down, let, let the quarterback take off. I, I mean, that's just kind of how it was, and he got it together toward the end, but I think they've got a quarterback issue. I want to know if they end up going to Nussmeyer at some point this year. Jane Daniels, the QB that Chuck's talking about, if they make a switch. Well, at but any here's point the thing, time. though. Here's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Daniels was making plays when everything fell apart. If you've got Nussmeyer back there and everything falls apart, it's going to be a ten yard loss. Just have to he didn't have the ability to well, escape and get out. And I think that's the difference that you saw in it. And I know, I guess you could call it neutral site. Last night wasn't a neutral site game no, for that's LSU. A home game. That's a home that's game. That's as close to losing at home for LSU as they can get. But I think you see the difference year one coaches when you do have a quarterback. That's what Florida has in Anthony Richardson. You saw what he did in crucial situations. That two-point conversion he had where he oh, jumped up now. and did a spin move and then found that guy. That's one of the best college football plays we'll see all year in week one, Chuck. Well, that's a good point in, in that when you've got an experienced quarterback um, – you know, a lot of the things that come with But he's not that experienced. They had Emory Jones last year. That's the thing. They, they plucked away. But Anthony Richardson, I mean, he was around there. And, I mean, Anthony Richardson obviously is a leader on that football team. They obviously follow him and they believe in him. And sometimes you just need to be turned loose a little bit. And um, uh, he's a good player. Florida, that, hey, that's a big win now. I mm-hmm. mean, when you beat a ranked team – your home opener, and you're not ranked. It was the first time in, I think, 50 years neither Florida nor Florida State were ranked in the top 25. Um, so for Florida to win that ball game, that's a, uh, that's a big win, and I think it changes a lot of people's perspectives about the East, and all of a sudden that Kentucky-Florida game is really, really big. So when the polls come out later today, because Florida, let's, let's just be honest, Florida's a bigger national brand than Arkansas. Does Florida leapfrog the no, Razorbacks in the polls? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Arkansas is going to move up. I think, you know, there are two teams in the country that beat ranked teams, us and Florida. Um, no, they're not going to leapfrog us. Oh, well, they're media darling. They beat number yeah. seven. It was a, Hey, it was a great win. I'm not taking yeah. anything away from it. But, uh, hey, if they do, they do. I, I mean, um, 
Uh, the first rankings that matter don't come out till later on in the fall. That's right, but it, but there will be people that call in if that happens. There will be there will be fans upset about it, and I wouldn't be surprised with Florida's win over a top ten team if that. I did would not be happen. surprised. Yeah. I would be surprised. I I, I, I know wish how they I, love I, them I, I, guys. A, guys, everybody doesn't hate us. Everybody doesn't hate us. No, but they love. Uh, I mean, Florida's a media darling, right? So. But I mean, you don't. Uh, we're we were the nineteenth ranked team. We beat a ranked team. Florida was unranked. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think they're going to move in ahead of us. I think they're going to. You know, it might be one or two behind us, yeah. but I don't think they're going to move ahead of us. I I get where Tommy's coming from, and I would agree with him because I saw more love for Anthony Richardson and what he did. On it was Saturday a great night. game. And he was great. I mean, he should have gotten the love. And, and he was great, but it was almost like KJ Jefferson had a bad game to the national media, and he goes 18 for 26, four touchdowns. Yeah. So I get where Tommy's coming from on that. You know who really hated seeing what they saw with Florida? That's Tennessee fans because they they've had that game circled for for well, Knoxville. What about and, Kentucky? Well, but but Good can, point. but the Tennessee Florida rivalry and, and what that's meant. It's just it's it's still even at Arkansas when you beat Florida and Arkansas hasn't beaten Florida very many times. It it still well, matters. The SEC needs Florida to be good. I agree. Florida's win was significant for our conference on Saturday night. Um, it does give the East some legitimacy that it has lacked in the last few years. I think people have talked about Kentucky, but I think in their heart of hearts, people have known there's still a wide gap between Georgia and everybody else in that division. Um, you know, Florida's not scared of Georgia. Florida's not scared of Georgia. Kentucky's still a little scared of Georgia. Florida's not. And um, I think it uh, that was a good win for our conference Saturday night. So we're out here giving credit to Florida and some other teams. I want to give credit to the fans, not that we're just in Razorback Stadium, but also as well, and not just me, but Bumper Pool, Simeon Blair, wanted to say the same thing. Crowd got behind us. Place was rocking, super loud, very deafening. You know, it's cool. It's a cool feeling whenever, you know, you get the fans going like that. So very important to have that crowd out there. Felt like that was one of the most important times whenever they did um, get rowdy. Yeah, I felt like me and Bump didn't have to say much after that first penalty because you wouldn't be able to hear us out there no way. The crowd took over. <laughs> well, they were talking about there where they were down at the goal line. And, and that was a, uh, you know, I, th- I, I think that's as noisy as I've ever heard the North End. Heard the South End over the years get that noisy. I've never heard the North End get that noisy. It's great. I mean, it changed the game. Four penalties, Tommy. And well, I mean, since he's in, inside their own fire. Hey, you know, Cincinnati had a good uh, collection of fans there, and that was their end. And so, um, you know, that was our people, obviously, making the noise. And so um, um, I, I, I just thought that was a critical part in the ballgame. You have it first and goal at the three, and you get 20 yards in penalties. How, how demoralizing that has to be. I mean, that's and for for Cincinnati to regroup and come back from something like that. A lot of teams would have folded after uh, after you know just kind of peeing down their leg in that moment. That's exactly what happened with Cincinnati and came right back. And like as Chuck said, their fans that I interacted with they they brought they brought a level. That was an SEC type of fan base. That I was came impressed. Down. I was impressed with Cincinnati. Um, I think anybody that looks down their noses at them because they're in a group of five. Um, I think they're making a big mistake. I, I was impressed with them as a program in the way that they traveled, the way they carried themselves. You know, down there on the at the field level before and after the game, you kind of get an you know you get an idea about how the other team operates, whether they're big time, whether they're bush league, you know, all all that stuff. And they're uh, they're a legit program. Well, and you, you used the word program rightfully so a lot. 
name me a better group of five or non-power five program than Cincinnati. Well, there's not I, exactly. I mean, they're they're. I mean, there's they're, you know they got a real coach, they got a real program, they made a real financial commitment to football. That's an Ohio State. You learn a lot about a program. I'm telling you, when you fill out a spotting board, and here's why: you see their recruiting patterns, you see where all the kids are from. You go back and you look at the two deep of Cincinnati and how many kids are from that metropolitan area, and you think about that state. You think about Cincinnati, Ohio State. You got a lot of other D1 programs in that state too that are, you know. Decent programs, not great, but decent. And um, you know, you've uh, you got a lot of players in that state, and I think that's uh, that's a big part of why Cincinnati's good because you know they give them four tanks of gas, and they they traveled around that city, and they get the best players yeah, out of that city. Didn't cost much. So, guys, let me talk to you about Weicker Realtors for a minute. You know, when you're buying or selling a home, there's big money on the table. You know, if you're the buyer. You're trying, to, you're trying to get into that dream home. If you're the seller, you're trying to get everything you can get out of it. Doesn't it make sense to have a pro on your side of the table? I mean a pro, a full-time realtor, someone who does this every day, someone who studies the market every day, somebody who can get you from contract to close. You can sign the contract. Some people have been through this, and if you've been through it, you know what I'm talking about. You sign that contract, everything's good, and then all sorts of things start coming up. And getting to the clothes, getting into the house, getting your money, if you're selling, all that stuff, it's a little easier said than done. It makes sense to have a pro by your side. Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, is that's where you're going to find that. Seasoned professionals. Uh, these are people that know how to handle their business. These are the people that you want on your side of the table when it comes time to buy or sell your home. You can log on to WeikerGriffin.com. Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. Pros. At real estate. I just sold a piece of property recently. I can tell you, you'll get familiar with the word addendum real quick <laughs> when you go through one of these uh, transactions. Hey, so. I'm telling you, you get on the bad side of one of those deals and it can turn into a nightmare. And, um, you know, you need somebody over there that knows what they're doing. Know what you don't know. That's what I always yeah, say. Yeah. So, on that note, Chuck, let's talk about your latest podcast real, real quick, episode two. Talked a lot about this game, included some, um, some Sam Pittman and some players quotes uh we were telling people earlier how do you to go about doing it but uh really dove in or excuse, i don't want to say dove in good grief i've got well, enough crap for that. that yeah, yeah. that's a good word can't don't don't say it it's not a word frank or it's surprisingly enough yeah. but uh what else did you that buy? is surprising <laughs> but uh, maybe it should um, be no it's it's uh i enjoy doing it uh we 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 talk about the game and have a few takes and look ahead and Got some good sound bites, and I enjoyed doing it. It was uh, it's fun to kind of recap the day on Saturday. I'm going to be honest, man. I'm surprised this wasn't in it. The 0-1 pitch. Albert hits one a ton. Deep left. It is gone. 695. They pitch to him, and they get burned. His final at bat against the Cubs. A pinch hit. Well, the reason it wasn't in there, John, is because right as I got finished recording the podcast, this is true, I sat down in the chair, I turned on the television, I uh, popped on the Cardinals, and they were announcing Pujols batting for Newt Bar. And I thought, this is is good. They got a lefty out there. And so uh, Ross comes out there, David Ross, former Auburn Tiger, former Florida Gator, and um, I'm thinking, well, they're going to walk him. And um, 
you know, but I, I, you know, and Ross said this after the game, I'm also thinking about Arenado's two hitters later. Are you going to put Pujols on right now with Arenado coming up two batters later? So they decided to pitch to him in the second pitch. I mean, first one he got away with. I mean, he challenged him with a fastball. He got away with it. Second one, uh, I mean, and again, as, as it's been, it was one of those jump-out-of-your-chair moments. Yeah, 695, so that puts him one away from tying A-Rod, two from passing Alex Rodriguez on the list. And I think uh, 700, we were kind of doubtful. We're still a few weeks to go in the season. It's becoming more and more likely. See, here's the thing, and, and I've said this before. I do think offensive stats right now are as skewed as they were during the steroid era. And we're seeing it right now. We're seeing the good teams playing the tanking teams. The Cardinals are 23 games over 500. They're almost as far over 500 as the Yankees are. And it's because they're beating up on these tanking teams. And they got, what, 30 some, or maybe not quite, roughly 30 games left. Yeah. They're going to play a lot of tanking teams. They only play the Brewers four times. They go to San Diego and they play the Dodgers. Other than that, they're playing all tankers. Yeah. And, um, you're going to have situations like that, like what came up yesterday, and I think that's what gives him a chance. They're playing a lot of lousy teams. Bud Light Next is available nationwide today, anywhere you can buy your other Bud Light products. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.